0: Philip Lanos, CEO of Own the Rhythm, and former podcast host for Entrepreneur and Inc. magazine. Welcome to the War Room Jim. It's a it's a pleasure to have you here. How are you feeling today?
1: I'm doing great, Philip. It's a pleasure to meet you and and Jason for the first time. So great to be here.
0: Yeah. It's uh It's an interesting opportunity we have with this conversation. I I have a good feeling about this one. And uh, one of the ways we always kick it off traditionally is by asking, do you yourself come from a family of entrepreneurs?
1: Great question. And uh, the question, the answer is real simple. No, I don't. Uh, I've kind of been more or less the the black sheep of the family, if you will. Uh, I like to affectionately call myself the unloved middle child. So uh, I, I was therefore born to be independent, and I think I had the uh, the entrepreneurship, you know, gene because of being that unloved middle child.
0: Right on. Okay, and it's interesting because you're one of the first times that somebody understood the question beyond like, oh yeah, I come from a family of entrepreneurs and trying to live up to something as opposed to. Yeah, like, look, honestly, I I didn't, and the the impact it had on me was that I was seen a certain way. But how did this then influence your decision specifically to step into business uh, as you got older and started going in that route? Was it always just something you did? You were like the lemonade stand and this and that.
1: Great question, and and just you know to maybe dovetail a little bit on the other question, you know, blue collar family. So it instilled on me in me, my father. Is a ninety-eight-year-old World War II living World War II veteran right now, you know? So he instilled hard work, depression-era skills, right, work ethic. Uh, so, but early on, uh, it was the, you know, I I I was a go-getter in terms of natural-born leader in sports, and I wanted to earn some extra money, so I broke out the lawnmower, man, and uh, you know, I'd walk all around town, and you know, he would. You know, to expand the business, you know, would throw that lawnmower in the back of the old, uh, you know, Chevy Impala station wagon and we'd go into different towns. So we expanded that way. And winters in, in on Long Island it was, you know, shoveling snow. So it started early on. And when you get that taste for, you know, a little bit of money and, and what it can do for you, I think, it, you know, it just I had the bug.
0: Yeah, man. Oh, and I, I love that you positioned it as uh, depression era skills because uh, I feel like that that opens up an interesting idea and just in general with sort of the times and what skills you need for those times as they come around, kind of like today with remote work and this and that. But before we go there, you have a, a, a veteran in the family, and that's something that I know, uh, Jason, as a veteran, you can definitely speak on to sort of that work ethic and that hustle and how that all fits in.
2: Well, that's a whole different era or generation, no doubt, because not to take anything away from my era, of veteran or anything like that, but, but they came home and went to work. They were quiet. They didn't talk about it, none of that stuff, you know? And they lived a very different time than you know, I'm sure your father looks today or, if, or if he could like, you know, come into the fold of some of the things today, deeper, he would, would, uh, have some, I'm, I'm trying to think of a good way to say it. He would have some things to say about that. I'm sure. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> I'm trying to be a, a touch politically correct here. Um, <laughs> cause if it was my dad, it would be, uh, not politically <laughs> correct at all. Um, hey, so.
1: look, When you Mm -hmm. get raised in a, and this is what's interesting about being an entrepreneur and and delving into leadership at this stage of my life where I'm at. But when you're raised in a George Patton household, I was going to say, command and control. There you go. Okay. um, That's both positive and also it has its downsides. It's Mm challenging, especially 21st century leadership um, and, and where we're having to go with, you know, being more empathetic and developing people. Yeah.
2: See, and I, I was kind of in that same George Patton, you know, household where I would say my, my dad was very rigid. That's probably the right word. Um, Very rigid in his thinking. And, you know, there was all these little lessons baked into it. You know, like I was, I was on an interview with Forbes on Thursday and you know trying to explain the definition of hard work right and the only example i could really think of was when i was about 9 years old i used to get up before school and my dad would make me shovel about a ton of grain into the feeders right mm-hmm. and 30 feet away was a farmhand one scoop and done right and i didn't get it then at all it was just like this is stupid <laughs> right <laughs> when you're 9 but then later in life, you you make that connection of, wow, you know that kind of shaped how I am today, in that hard work and it things pay off and it builds resiliency, Absolute and that, that that's that's the one thing I am very thankful of for sure.
1: Same here.
0: And one of the interesting things about the work that you decided to do, and I, and I want to I want to bridge the gap between then and now, but is about helping people uh, take what they've built or experienced over the years and turn it into something, right? So we're talking about sort of this origin story and the upbringing and without going too far from where we left off in the narrative. uh, So you step into business. uh, Again, we established that as a kid, you just had the bug, and kind it of bit you. But where where do you really feel like was the first instance where you were finally in business, as they say?
1: Oh, gosh. You know, I was really fortunate along the way, uh, stepping into the, you know, the, the business world, investing. Um, you know, I literally started, you know, in Brooklyn, New York for Bear Stearns. And, you know, at the bottom, learning the back office of business and, you know, Great mentors along the way there. That led to the next, what I call, chapter in that middle area of actually going client facing, developing a a book of business. And it's when I had uh, opened up my financial office in Tampa, Florida, that I felt like I had arrived. Um, I worked really, you know, taking that mindset or the work ethic that we talked about, Jason, of a a depression era command and control Mm -hmm. guy. I went door to door, man in a suit, 90-degree heat, in order to build something. And where an office was not, an office was created. And that was incredibly gratifying. And then the relationships that ensued from that office and the families impacted, life-changing.
0: Man. So you arrive here now, right, as you left in my notes here, corporate dropout turned pivot master right <laughs> yeah. what does it look like right now what is a a goal or ambition that you have with the work that you're doing with people that uh the listeners should know about
1: well i i the the pivoting part and by the way i agree jason micro pivots right you've got big pivots and micro pivots no doubt oh. and i've done both um my story is from corporate to caregiver to, here's my own word, Jason, confidence less to comeback. Those were really the phases of my life when, I, when I, I had my identity wrapped around corporate. And I walked away uh, in 2014 uh, because I got a phone call that my depression era 90-year-old father, you know, who took care of the family had slipped, fallen on the ice and had a brain bleed. And I lived in Tennessee, but my wife and I said, you go, you take care of the family. They took care of you, you take care of the family. And that opened up four years of caregiving, you know, three weeks in New York, a week back in Tennessee, from the frying pan into the fire. And just, it ultimately just changed me. It burned my identity down to the ground. I didn't know who I was, lost all my confidence. Um, that's the confidence less and stepped away, was burned out, um, and really went to work on the inner gym and the journey and who I was, who I I was created to be. And that's when the comeback started. Um, and it's been through intense internal work over the last two to three years.
0: Yeah, man. And what I have in the notes here about people 40 and older a lot of the times it's funny when the it, earlier conversation today even Jason was talking about like you know the older you get like that you're you're set in your ways you're hard headed and you know this is uh, mm-hmm. a lot of people really do have the belief that there's there there is no next level or opportunity but but there's always that is is that is that your view on that
1: well it's funny you mentioned that and what Jason had said because i recently came across an article i think it was a dartmouth professor I did uh, work with thousands of people in 132 different countries, so pretty extensive. And they talk about how unhappiness increases from 18 years old, okay, up until our, I think around, the peak unhappiness is around 47, 48 years old. Think about it, midlife crises and stuff. And I think at that point, people either accept their lot. And they just keep going and and the unhappiness just kind of fades away. And that's why they become less unhappy or that, or there's that 40 and frustrated group that says there's got to be more. And those are the people that I'm looking to tap into and help and share more of my journey and say, you know what, you're not done yet.
0: Man. It just makes me think of Charles Bukowski, who. Drank his sorrows away and wanted to be a writer, and he didn't get famous until he was 70. And by then it didn't matter to him. Uh it's a hell of a story, but for some people, it really is one of those things where I, I can think of a number of people who I've met in my life who just seemed deeply unhappy with where they were in life, and they were a lot older than me. Uh, but I always told myself I didn't want to be that so. What is the secret to pivoting with purpose uh, when you reach those years? And what can people who are younger than that take away from that as well? Well,
1: first of all, I think everything starts with a decision. Okay. You got to decide what do you want? Getting really clear. um, I'm of the school of thought that there's really nothing new under the sun. There's just a lot of repackaged stuff. People have their voice. People connect to different people's voices, okay? But I'm a fundamentals guy. The reason I was successful as an athlete, I didn't have the most you know, gifted natural talent, but I worked on the fundamentals. So fundamentally, what I would say is, first and foremost, you got to decide what you want and then be others focused. Because what I re- learned in my confidence lessness stage and this was a huge part of my story okay is that i needed confidence so what did i do i went out and gave intentionally confidence to as many people as possible and that's what started my story and there's going to be really my ted talk here next year is on the power of intentional connecting i didn't just stay in a hole I I purposely, intentionally reached out to other people to enhance and elevate them and put instill confidence in them. And it came back to me twofold. It's been miraculous.
0: Wow. There is something about going out of your way and uh overcoming a, a fear that one has through sheer will and just taking action and getting that evidence that you need. To then give you a starting point for a pivot. Is this what you're talking about?
1: Yeah. Um, Seek out the knowledge and the people who've done it. I mean, that's a big part of this. The internal work I talk about, I didn't sit there and go and meditate in a cave. Okay. (laughs) You know, I I, I sought (laughs) out people, the knowledge, intense work. You know, we, I think I heard on one of your podcasts, you know, something to the effect of, you know, everyone wanting to be a coach. I've got the experience in my life, but it was the internal work of the last two to three years is what I think really qualifies me to really make a difference in other people's lives because I sought out that knowledge and the mentorship from trusted sources, but I can't say enough about mentorship.
0: Yeah, man, that's true. I mean... I'll give you a classic example. Coming into contact with Jason, myself, uh, I've been exposed to a lot of things that I've worked with a lot of people over the years. Even before that, with entrepreneur and this and that, you know, uh, organizations uh, similar to Vistage, like EO, and talked to a lot of people who were all millionaires and up. But there's just something about somebody who genuinely wants to see others doing good that changes the quality of your interaction. And the people that you come across because of that nature of that person. And so when you talk about mentors, uh, I, I'm of the same school of thought of the impact and the power. And so while I have you here and we do have this opportunity, what what do people often get wrong about looking for a mentor?
1: What do they get wrong? Um, I think what they get wrong is trying to find and, or maybe connecting with anyone that promises that it's going to be easy or or quick. I think it's it's getting and finding someone. And I was fortunate, uh, someone that's going to talk honest honestly. That it's it's hard work and it doesn't stop. I think people today, unfortunately, <laughs> the,
0: the
1: ancient era versus now, they think just because they have the latest app. They've got the right aptitude, and they don't. (laughs) It's humans before hardware.
0: Your TED Talk's going to be something, man.
1: (laughs) There it
2: is. That's the title, humans before hardware. Oh, yeah.
0: (laughs) Yes, sir. (laughs) Oh, man. Yeah, Jim. It's
2: amazing, though, because, you know, you look at, so many things in our life, we're we're just passively going through them, right? And you know, once you start to live a a, a life of purpose and intention, where everything is intentional, things change, right? And they change really quickly, you know. Uh, and that that just doesn't always mean business. It's just your family life, your you know you know, being a veteran myself and experience post-traumatic stress and some of these different things, right? It changes the family dynamic. Sure. So you have to be very intentional, just like you have to be very intentional with things in business. You have to be very intentional with things in your personal life. And if you balance the boat, both of them, I'm not really a huge fan of work-life balance. I don't really think that necessarily exists. They coexist. Right together, and but if you're intentional on both sides, then you truly, you know, cliche maybe, but the world is your oyster, right?
1: So oh, absolutely, and and I've tried to you know avoid too many cliches to today myself. <laughs> yeah, I, was, I said I'm going to try and be as conversation with you guys. Yeah, yeah. There's a couple I couldn't resist throw in myself, and and that but that what you said is true. Um, I look, I've been very very fortunate that um, the people that have come into my circle um, without them right now in my life and where I'm going and what I'm doing, I I, I know I wouldn't, I I couldn't be doing it without them. And the majority of them came into my life due to intentionality. Intentionality, reaching out and connecting with who I wanted in my life. And then I just, authenticity, right? Again, not to be cliche, but being as authentically gym as possible. And I'm still learning how to do that in at 53 years old, but my best is yet to come.
0: Yes, sir. I, I, I know exactly what you mean. Uh, uh, someone that I keep close to my circle, his name is Cal Fussman. And, and something he told me, he said, you know, when I was younger, it was like the early boxing rounds. I was throwing jabs. I was throwing hooks, but I wasn't looking to land the final blow. He said, and you know, back in the day, boxing used to go up to, I think he said, 15 rounds or something like that. He said, that's where I'm at. I'm now in my 15th round and I'm looking for my knockout. I'm looking to cash in on all the jabs and things that I threw. And I feel like this is sort of the work that you're doing with Pivot with Purpose uh, is helping people really see that all the jabs and hooks they've been throwing count for something. And it's just about, like you said, number one, deciding where you want to go. Uh, uh, finding good mentors. Is there anything else that we need here?
1: You know what? You you create the goal, but you got to be prepared to 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 just adjust accordingly. You have to be conscious and not unconscious. Stay conscious. Stay plugged in. I kind of equate my mind almost like a, a camera as I'm looking at, out of my eyes. Um, the neural pathways, growing up with a lot of bad, there was, look, there was good that I learned from, from growing up the way I did, but there's also things that were not so good. Okay. And I'll just kind of leave it there. Um, I intentionally slow down my eyes or my my lenses. And I could I could work on automatic mode and sleepwalk through life. And a lot of that, those automatic behaviors are not so good. But I choose to choose to slow down, go on manual mode and slow it down. You know, look, maybe that's just me, but. I do believe less is more, okay? Just because you can do it doesn't mean you should do it. I think too many entrepreneurs, they just they see things they can do when they they don't stop and ask, "Should I be doing it? Does it align with your core values?" Get get solid on those core values, man.
0: Yeah, 100% right. The uh chasing the squirrel, chasing the rabbit, that whole thing. And the more you succeed, the more opportunities to get Taken away from the path you originally had in mind, uh, certainly becomes possible. Um, with that said, uh, if you could go back uh, just before, I think you said these last two or three years were pretty key. So, if you could go back just those two or three years, let's say, Jim, uh, knowing what you know now and and working towards what you're working towards now with the TED Talk and everything, what would you say to yourself prior to that work that you did internally, knowing what you know now?
1: Oh, gosh, knowing what I know now, um, I wish I I just I wish I would have started um, choosing my circle sooner. Any younger person who you surround yourself with, it can make or break you on so many levels. And I can't. My daughter, 17 years old, she's amazing, going to do amazing things. And I just, you know, she doesn't want to hear from dad all the time. But it's who you sur- you got to surround yourself with the right people, and I just wish I would have started that uh, a little bit sooner.
0: It's so true. Uh, perfect example. I spent the bulk of my early uh, uh, years from like fourteen to about I want to say maybe twenty four trying to be an entertainer. And what was weird though was that I always had a bent on reading. I was always reading lots of books, lots of books. I was the only one in my friend group that would read that way. And it was a constant clash of identity because here I thought I wanted to be an entertainer, but whenever I was around actors, unfortunately I found them mostly to be vapid and no real personality of their own, no real thoughts of their own. But musicians, I love music, had been doing it for a while. But yet most of them just like to party, you know, hey, man, let's just party, you know, and it's all about the vibe. And, you know, and and even when they have great ambitions, the work ethic isn't there. And I remember I moved to New York and uh, uh, someone who was a mentor to me today, Joe Applebaum, I was walking with him on a one to one at that time. I was working at a digital marketing agency. And uh, he asked me, he's like, you know, who are your friends? Right. And I said, ah, oh, well, you know, I kind of stepped away from everybody because of, uh, just I don't feel like they have any actual work ethic. Or he's like, well, you can't expect someone who doesn't have a work ethic to ever respect yours because they don't even know what that looks like. And you have to redefine what friendship means because leaders, much like yourselves here, Jason and Jim, uh, they operate on a different schedule, a different wavelength, and they don't always have all the time in the world to hang out. So you got to make the most of your time by being able to contribute to each other. So redefine what it means to have friends. And I just remember walking away from there going, well, yeah, so true. And I just want to add that because what you're saying is really important. And I can't wait to hear, you know, what your family is able to accomplish uh, based on that energy and that seed living within your zone um yeah. before I continue any further and try to take things to the grand finale, I want to give Jason a chance to chime in here.
2: Yeah, you know what I love? I love the circles of influence, right? Because you have your inner circle of influence that is, you know, the people that are most closest to you, your family, your your very best friends. And when I say best friends, you know, that's somebody that when you're laying in the ditch, they're gonna come flip you over and do. CPR on you, right? And not not wait for the EMS to get there, right? <laughs> and then it's too late. So I watched my dad do that, by the way, once when I was a kid. Um, story for another time. But um, And then you have your circle of, well, maybe they're just somebody you go out and have a beer with every once in a while, right? And then you have your acquaintances, and then you have everybody else. Right. So it's like, you kind of got a tier who who's in your inner circle. That doesn't mean there's not that reach out to those out here sometimes, right. To pull them in and they end up being in your inner circle, right. At some point, but
1: absolutely,
2: you know, it's like my grandpa used to say, say, you know, you can, you can pick your nose, but you can't pick your 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 best friends and family because they 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 tend to stick to you, right? So you you pretty much know who they are pretty quickly.
1: And I will tell you, you know, I I I mentioned about you know being selective with the people you choose to put put yourself around. I choose to put myself around people who are others focused because that's what I want to be about being others focused and 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 lead by example with those people. And boy. It happens, man. It's just, it's magical.
2: Lead with value, no matter how long it takes.
1: Value. That's right.
0: (laughs) That's what it is. Uh, Man, Uh, Jim, if, if, uh, if you don't mind, we'll go hit the grand finale for the, for the show here and ask you. If you could have invited anybody, you, your choice, from any point in place and time in the world, who would you have loved to have had here today and, and why them?
1: I could go in so many different directions with this. I could go with, you know, Jesus. I could go with John Lennon who died way too soon. And and, I could go with Dr. Catherine Bruce, um, a very, very special friend from Australia who's been with me these last couple of years through every up and down, every, you know, in and out, just, just right by my side and just an awesome friend. But I'm gonna have to go with Dan Millman. Um,
0: yeah,
1: Way of the Peaceful Warrior when, when I was in college and that book was it planted the seed of so much of what I was going to need to face through my life and how uh, I would just love to have him here to thank him and have him, you know, bestow the boons of his knowledge on all of us.
0: Man, I have not heard of Dan Millman in years, but I'll never forget, there is no such thing as an ordinary moment. And how important that phrase is, especially because it lines up with what you said earlier about you could live on autopilot, but you intentionally make the effort to slow down and really capture the moment because it's just like walking through a river back and forth. Either way, you're not the same person every time you do it, right? Right. Since there's something that's taken place, and so being present, such a valuable lesson. Uh, what a great choice! Uh, I can see the work that you're doing and the the energy you want to put out into the world, Jim. And uh, I want to be able to amplify that. So where can where can people go to connect with you?
1: Best way is through LinkedIn and and continue to follow. Uh, great things are coming and rolling out. So uh, we're really excited about where. Where all of this is going. So the comeback continues and I look forward to enhancing and elevating other people's lives. So I can't thank you guys enough for the opportunity to share a little bit about my story and, uh, and everything else. So thank you very much.
0: Yeah, Jason, roll us out, man.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
2: Great story of, you know, getting through it, resiliency, all those things, right? Because we all have our own struggles in our lives and You know, others, some deal with them differently than others and so on and so forth. But resiliency is key. And uh, that's nothing you're short of, for sure, (laughs) is resiliency. So, so, and, you know, I always like to say thank you for taking a sliver out of your day to be here. We all have the same 168 hours a week. So uh, thanks for taking the time to be with us. We appreciate you very much. Appreciate you dropping some knowledge on on our audience. And if they didn't get anything, they just weren't listening.
1: That's right. Well listen, guys, keep up the great work.
0: Thank you. Cheers, All man. All
1: right, cheers. Bye-bye.
0: Thanks for listening to the War Room Roundtable with your hosts, Jason Miller and Philip Lanos. Please leave your feedback and visit strategicadvisorboard.com to get the latest and greatest business advisement on the planet. Follow us on social media for updates. And always remember, if you can dream it and believe it, then you can go achieve it. We'll see you in the next episode.